All right. Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, this is episode 104, and we have a really, really good episode for you. Um, today, I'm joined with Brad Lawrence, uh, uh, owner of uh, the Apex Long Island franchise out there in uh, Long Island. Uh, also, still just super pumped uh, that Brad took the plunge and, and started doing the club out there. Um, also, just if you enjoy the podcast, share it with your friends, please subscribe, whether it's on Apple, uh, Apple podcasts, or you go on our YouTube channel, apex vaulting, subscribe there. Also our YouTube channel has a bunch of instructional videos and also our podcast. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at the real apex vaulting, or you can follow us at apex vaulting LI long Island. Um, and then also on Twitter and Facebook, we're apex vaulting. And if you have any comments or questions and you'd like to reach out to us, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Um, so let's kind of start this because I know we don't have a lot of time. We're kind of crunched for time. Um, but I kind of caused a little bit of a stir on Friday. Um, so Scott Simpson, who, to be fair, I don't, I don't really know much about this guy. Um, I, I didn't actually know until like this weekend that he coaches Holly Bradshaw, which, you know, that's awesome. I'm sure he's an amazing coach. Um, he tweeted the following, I guess like Mondo and his parents or something did some kind of video or something like about his training. And, um, he said, um, probably the most important message to come out of that Mondo did not specialize early. Yes, he started pole vaulting at a young age, but he did multi-sports until 14 and multi-events in athletics until 18. He broke the world record at 20. Now, Brad, before I even continue and talk about what I commented, just, just off that tweet, what do you take from there? What, what do you think? Uh, how did you interpret Scott's tweet? So... I'm an educated individual and have been studying sports specialization for a long time. You know, he notes the idea that that your background too. like, what was, what were your majors in stuff like that? That way. I'm sorry. So my, my bachelor's is in uh, kinesiology uh, from Penn state, which is, you know, overview of uh, exercise physiology, biomechanics, exercise psychology. And then my master's degree was an advanced level of coaching was just a continuation of that. Meanwhile, being a track and field athlete, it just sort of, you know, you're with that all the time. Right. Um, so going so, back, so now with that idea, you read right. that tweet. What what's your interpretation? Um, my interpretation is, you know, the the kid was pole vaulting from a very young age, and that's not to say that he was specialized in it. But you know, he he had a pole pit in his backyard, and his parents are are studs. So right, yeah, he may I mean, not have been specializing, but he got a athlete. Yeah. yeah, now he's got exceptional. He's got access to it, and I think without the background of anything else, I'm going to say something. A lot of people are going to know the first thing I'm going to say. The second part is, is not accurate. That the 10,000 hour rule to become an expert, you know, right. that research was done. So we need to do 10,000 hours of an activity to become an expert. The problem is that was with research done in chess and music, which is very just cognitive pattern recognition and execution compared to movement and development. So that taking that takeaway from that research and applying it to everything else falls flat often. So people are like, oh, specialization need to get there early. Yeah, but the problem is he's developing as a human. And so he had early access to it and learning those motor patterns, but he didn't specialize in it. But he is a specialized pole athlete for sure. And so, I mean, it 
Yeah. Right. So I, I feel like you're, you're going into kind of like your own thoughts on what he wrote, but what, what do you think his message was? Cause I, I, I'm going to tell you what I think he was trying to say, but what, what do you think his message was for people reading that? I think his message was trying to explain that, that young kids shouldn't specialize in sport. Right. Um, and that, you know, that, that is a half truth. And again, we're not, we're not getting the whole picture of that. Being a right. specialized pole vault athlete versus a specialization in sport are two different things. And I think he missed the mark with that, but what do well, you think? Right. So, so what I did was I retweeted him and I, and I said a couple of things is that I think there's many things that go through my head as a pole vault coach, a club owner, also just a track coach. I, I have worked with other events. Um, so I retweeted him and I said, only track coaches discourage specialization. If someone wants to specialize in pole vault, what's the problem? Like, I, I don't see the drawback, right? Someone's training should have plenty of GPP to address weaknesses and avoid overuse. Does anyone stop someone from playing soccer, football, or jujitsu year round? Like, you, we, we don't see coaches in other sports like, hey, man, like, you know, you really should try a different sport. Like, hey, man, like, why, why don't you not play baseball year round? I mean, like, baseball coaches are dying to have their kids do baseball in spring do summer ball and do fall ball. I mean, and even in the winter, they're still, Hey, you got to go to the batting cages. You got to, you know what I mean? Like when the weather's not nice enough to play outside. Um, and then under that, I commented, let's be honest. Track coaches are hoping better athletes from other sports try track. Why not sell our sport? I want people to know how awesome pole vaulting is and to do it because they love it. Not because they should be a well-rounded athlete, whatever that is, you know, again, going off of that tweet, I'm trying to explain how, Listen, I think some of the group that likes the tweet of like, don't specialize or, or likes that idea of like, hey, be a multi-sport athlete. I think as track coaches, we got to stop trying to hope that we get the football player or we hope that we get the basketball player. We have to get people who fall in love with our sport. Like, you know, you don't see an owner of a jujitsu gym going, hey, man, like go try other sports. No, they want you to fall in love with jujitsu and learn the life lessons that you can through jujitsu. And I think the same can be done in pole vault. And, and you bring up that study about the 10,000 hours that I want to bring up in a second. But the last thing I did was I retweeted Scott again. And I said the following, I said, if you enjoy doing multiple sports, awesome. If you think doing multiple sports will make you a world-class pole vaulter, no. Being a world-class athlete and doing pole vault will make you a world-class pole vaulter. Because I think... Look, the reason that I even retweeted this, and I and I think some people, um, you know, misinterpreted maybe my tone, but it's like, I don't, you know, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not, you know, angry. I just, I don't, I think the way people can interpret Scott's tweet about Mondo, you know, doing multiple sports till 14 and doing multiple events in track until he was 18 is, oh, well, you should really like play as many sports as possible and develop your body, right? Because you're talking about that physical development and develop your body. And then, you know, you can specialize and you'll be a, a good pole vaulter. But I think also this is the problem with that tweet. And this is the problem with that thought process. Playing sports is not training. There is a yes. difference between doing your sport and doing training, right? Like, I, I think that's something that I think the pole vault community needs to understand. And I think that's something the track community needs to understand. Because there was something that I was talking about at the club the other day. And tell me, you know, what you think about this. But, like, I was like, you know, it's ironic, right? Because at first, right, like, 
around the 60s and 70s was the first time strength and conditioning was introduced to American football, right? And, and ironically, they were kind of looking at European track athletes and how they were doing strength and conditioning. And like, oh, shit, these shot putters have a better vert- vertical leap than our wide receivers. Their, their bench is stronger than our linemen. We need to start to adopt this strength and conditioning. And yet in the track world, it's like, you know, especially pole vault. I mean, Brad, you know, you've been in the pole vault culture and community for a long time. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the fascination is with just doing body weight stuff and, and you know, just, <laughs> just doing track workouts. It's like we have to also train. So if you're saying to me, hey, I think young kids of any age and we and also, I mean, you know, what's tough is like, you know, how old are we talking about? You know, what ages are, 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 are we talking about? But it's like, if you think you're going to avoid overuse injuries or deal with weaknesses um, by playing other sports, I don't think that's the best way to attack that goal. I think the better way is to have proper training protocols, you know, address weaknesses with training, not by hoping that, okay, well, pole vault is a very linear sport. So hopefully if I play soccer and I, I, you know, do a sport with a little bit of lateral movement, that'll help me avoid, you know, injury. Well, I think you can do a better job in the strength and conditioning area. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? And so, I mean, you know, multiple sports, this is where we, we talk about, you know, sports specialization. Let's, let's define it literally as like academic stuff. And yes, I'm super nerd. You know, sports specialization is intense year round training, uh, you know, to the, to the exclusion of other sports with, with minimal enjoyment. And it's like, first off, I think it's rare that we're dragging kids to pole vault practice. Like we want to be here. It's fun. But like, I'm not going to allow you know, like, time to pole vault. All right. You mean now, you don't have like a, a class full of miserable kids in your sessions? No, no. It's just like, you know, just the beatings will continue until you know, morale <laughs> increases. Uh, but that's the same thing of like, uh, oh, Jesus forgot. Um, so, Shit. Like you're not forcing anybody to do it. Um, no. And so it is, a, it, it, we can use a state of play and learning and engagement. So, like my sandbox development as a pole vaulter, here's some broken crossbars, go play, figure out how to flip upside down. Wonderful. We also had a, a training session, but there's, there's differences there of play and training. Um, but that's also in the idea of once we reach adolescence, and that's why, you know, he says 14 years old. Um, once we start to reach 14 years old, it doesn't really matter. The, the body doesn't know that, oh man, I'm pole vaulting. Oh man, I'm swimming. It just knows that there's physical activity going on. And so now there's critical training periods in like the, the lifestyle of a human being where you adapt to what you're doing. Now, Michael Phelps, his heart probably pumps out more blood than anyone else on the planet. And while he was going through puberty was swimming. So his body adapted to develop that. Um, right. I think the same is true with, with, probably Mondo. He's developing going through puberty while he's able to flip, flip upside down. He's making those neurological connections and that's wonderful. Sure. And now years later when he's a specialized athlete, well now in muscles for lack of a better word. I mean, I think that, that's sort of the, the development of, of human bodies and how we move in sport is, is interesting. Now multiple sports, well, I'm a baseball pitcher and all you see, all these young kids have Tommy John surgery. Right. Well, are we getting enough rest time? Research also suggests that sports specialization from like the negative thing that we're all talking about is okay. As long as there's other 
there's enough rest to recover from it. Now right. you're talking multiple sports. Well, well, let me, he's, let a, me, he's a baseball me, pitcher and then a quarterback. Come on. Yeah. Right. Well, so let me, yeah. So let me dive in there and explain. So yeah, a lot of people will cite like studies where it's like, okay, if, uh, you know, youth athletes are playing one sport, they tend to have more injuries than athletes that, that are doing multiple sports. Um, but the thing is, is that because of playing one sport or is that like, you know, poor coaching, right? So it's like, you know, Johnny's a good pitcher. And so we pitch him three games a week and then he throws more at practice and he's doing this year round. And yeah, like you said, oh my God, 12 years old, he needs Tommy John surgery. And the example you gave is great. So wait, he pitches, let's say he pitches most of the year and then plays football and he's the quarterback. Well, he's still throwing like, you, you know, so it's like you have to monitor the volume of throwing. And I think even again, thinking like a strength and conditioning coach, I think for pole vault coaches, if we start to think about the pole vault as a training workout, one training, right? So it's like, okay, you wouldn't just bench press. You wouldn't just squat. You wouldn't just deadlift. You know, you'd also put in some stuff like sled pushes or sled pulls and you, you might do pull-ups and you, you might do some isolation exercises if you think there's a, a muscle that's lagging behind that you need to strengthen. Pole vault is just another workout. So you can't just pole vault. But just like all those other exercises that we, you would work look at for your training, you have to look at the volume and intensity. Well, how much volume of pole vaulting should an athlete actually do? How much could they handle? How do you get them to even be able to handle more jumps, right? So again, going back to those studies, yes, I think a youth athlete who's mishandled that does one sport will tend to have more injuries, but that's because of poor coaching practices. That's why yeah. even in baseball, again, they're not telling kids, hey, don't play baseball year round. They're like, hey, we have to limit the pitch count. Yeah. Right. Because that's the issue. The volume of pitches is causing this Tommy John uh, surgery to, to be done. Right. It's not just, oh, playing baseball year round, you're going to need Tommy John surgery. It's no, if you have a high pitch count and you go past Overdo your body's it. capacity levels, then you're going to deal with injury issue. Um, go, go ahead. I feel like you have something to add. Yeah. I, I, so, now we talk about sports specialized pole vaulters. You talk about like, hey, is it fair that the the, the coach puts you in the the, the one hundred, the hurdles, the the triple jump, and you're in pole vault? Well, heck, I mean, I, I was not a spectacular athlete. All I could do was pole vault. All all my energy had to be on pole vault. And people are like, oh, well, he's a good pole vaulter. We can put him in the other events, and well, it wasn't didn't work out for anyone. But the <laughs> same is true with. I may have touched a pole six times a week but you're only training two jump sessions or three jump sessions. And then you're doing pull runs. You're doing, you know, Real. four day lifts of, of drills. You're doing rollovers, pull runs with a box or a slide box. Uh, and maybe, you know, uh, gymnastic stuff, high bar exercise. So the, and that's at the university level, maybe a little bit in the high school level, like, all right, but that's even past that adolescent stage where sports specialization is okay. And so heck, even our model of, of programs that we offer, right. Uh, there's not too many kids, who are going to like, you know what? I want to be here six days a week. Well, you know, we, not a good idea because that's your over injury to the shoulder. So, right, right. Yeah. I, I, right. So for people who are listening that are not familiar at apex, we offer once a week, twice a week, or three times a week training. Right. And, and I think even if someone wanted to come in, like you said, six days a week, we would have it very modified. Even the three day a week people, it's like, you know, you have one, one long approach day, you have a medium approach day, so like five lefts or less. And then you have a drill day where, I mean, heck, you might not even get back to a three. So now if we had somebody come in six days a week, you're right. There'd be some sessions where it's like, 
you're not even getting on the pit. Like it's all off the pit drills. <laughs> um, you know, and, and again, going back to this tweet, the reason it stuck out to me and I wanted to say something about it is because, so we just kind of addressed some of the, the biological physio- physiological <laughs> reasons why you might not want to specialize. Right. And we kind of said, well, it depends, right? Like one, I, I'm saying if you want to play multiple sports, go play multiple sports. I want the person to be happy with what they're doing. And I, and I can give an example of apex, something that happened. But th- the thing is, if someone was asking, Hey, I really want to be the best pole vaulter I can be. Well, the real answer is you have to pole vault more. You have to <laughs> jump. You have to specialize if that's yeah. what someone wants to do. And I think the thing that I didn't like about that tweet is like, okay, let's say I'm like a 15 year old boy and I really love pole vault and I want to get as good as I can get. I want to break my high school record. Let's say that's my dream. Yeah. Would I be better served playing basketball in the winter than doing indoor and outdoor? You know what I mean? Like just doing spring track and not doing indoor track. No, I should do indoor track and I should pole vault. Like if I want to break that school record, I've got to dump all my time into there. And even like zooming out a little bit away from sports. Cause like you brought up, you know, in, uh, playing instruments, you know, it's like, let's zoom out. It's like a big problem for a lot of high school kids is they're being pulled in all these directions. Well, let's play three different sports, right? Like you should play soccer, basketball, and track. Um, you should do the school play. You should be in the debate club. Why don't you do some community service? Then you know what? You should have a job. And then what, well, you're going to be I'm a out. I'm out. Trades, master of none. Right. It's like, how are you ever going to get deep in any one of those disciplines and really go to the deep, deep levels? Like I always bring up the belt system in martial arts. Right. It's like, well, if I I think there is a huge, huge um, advantage and 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 it's a huge uh, positive in your life. It will bring you to new levels if you're really trying to even if you don't get to a black belt you don't master, but if you're on that journey and you discover what it takes to get through those levels, to try to become a black belt in something, you will learn so much that you could apply to the rest of your life, to the rest of your life, things that no other people do. But if you're always just dipping your toes in the sand, how deep are you actually going? I mean, I I think, you know, and again, Brad, you, you could speak to this. I mean, because of your journey, through pole vault. I mean, heck, I don't know if a lot of people know this about you, but you actually also coach rugby now. And how, how has your deep, deep knowledge of pole vault helped you become a better rugby coach? Like how did, how did that work? But I, again, could you have done that if you didn't go as deep, you know? So, all right. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll skew to my, my journey in a moment, but the idea of just being able to get meaning through sports and you know there's there's levels of it you dip your toe in the sand you're in the sandbox just sort of explain our, our hey our intro package you've never tried pull it before this is what it is and then we can sort of get along all right want to get better at it these are all the other things of it and then to the point of hey you jumped really well to meet you gain meaning from that you have a wonderful experience and it becomes you know you gain meaning from that um the the, the side aspect of how we got into rugby um i was coach at penn state uh, jim sullivan was my pole vault coach. He's a PhD in exercise physiology, and he was USA Rugby's fitness coach for the World Cup team in the women in 2005. Um, I was six credits shy of graduating, and I wanted to go to, to Smith College for a, a master's in coaching women's collegiate sport, which is very specific. And he said, well, you should probably 
had experience coaching women, don't you think? I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, it seems um, pretty logical. So he, yeah. So he said, go, go learn how to coach rugby. Um, the women need a fitness coach and we'll, we'll, I'll give you six credits. It'll be an independent study. Wonderful. And so taking my knowledge of just track and field, track and field is just movement in space. So being able to apply movement in space to movement on a rugby pitch um, allowed for that. I can do this at a very good level because training is one thing. And then we can add rugby specific things later. So being a novice in the sport of rugby, but being an elite track and field understanding and movement biomechanics, that connection was able to be made very quickly. Um, yeah, obviously, you, you can learn about one aspect of life and take it to another aspect of your life. Right. And so you you kind of already had a model of how to attack the task because you're like, okay, yes. I've gone real deep and had some success in this task in my life, pole vault. And now I can apply the lessons I've learned to that and apply it to coaching rugby. I mean, I, I think, you know, again, I just listened to a, a Hicks and Gracie podcast. He was on the Jocko Willink podcast. You know, for people that don't know, Jocko's a Navy SEAL, real like crazy training guy, motivational speaker. And Hicks and Gracie, he's one of uh, the Gracie family that created Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he talks about his message about jujitsu. He goes, jujitsu is not just for the, the, the person who wants to be a championship fighter. It's there's a lot of life lessons. And he goes, you know, he asked his father one day, he goes, dad, how do I become a great teacher, great coach? And his dad goes, well, if you want to be a good coach, you have to be able to teach people how to do a good arm bar. He goes, but if you have, if you want to be a great teacher, you have to learn to give the student what the student needs. Meaning when you get that, like, and this happens to us in the pole vault, when you get that kid that comes in who has a lot of anxiety, they're nervous, they're scared, they're very meek. Yeah. You're trying to build up their confidence. You're trying to get them enthused, realize they can do something. They do have power. They can do something, right? When we get that kid that walks in that's super cocky, we have to humble them, teach them to yeah. know, you know what? You may think you're good, <laughs> Now let's do this straight pull drill and let's see how that feels. Yeah. Bam, right? You got to humble that kid, right? I'm going to read you a post that I saw and it was so funny. It's just, you know, because this all went down Friday, these tweets about specialization and why yeah. you shouldn't specialize at an early age or whatever. And listen, again, I think you want to do multiple sports by all means, but if somebody wants to specialize, I don't think it's as big an issue as people think. And I think there's a lot more to learn through specialization. So I saw this post uh, by Dave Tate, okay? So Dave Tate, for people that don't know, you know, he was a power lifter. He trained at Westside Barbell, which is arguably the greatest powerlifting gym in the world. Um, I think they've had more 1,000-pound squatters in that gym than the rest of the world combined, right? Um, Dave Tate trained at Westside Barbell for some time. Uh, I think his total was over 2,300 pounds. For people who don't know, powerlifting is squat, bench, and deadlift. So he did a 2,300-pound total between three lifts. And he had this post, right? He goes, don't suck. Going from shit to suck is one big step because that means you've got to commit to something that most people haven't done or cannot do. They're not able to go all in. They might, they might mess around a little, but that's about it. For most this would be testing the waters, seeing if they like it or just playing around. To go from suck to good is a big flight of stairs because now you've got to be consistent. You need to be dedicated to what you're doing. 
You need to train hard. You need to train intelligently. You can't, it can't be a hobby. It has to be something that you are very serious about and willing to put in the time and effort, both physically and mentally. To go from good to great is only one small step, but it's the step that nobody wants to take because they can't see it. It's uncertain. It's close to the edge. It's higher than most ever go. And looking down suddenly seems farther away than they thought it was. It's being sacrificed or making the sacrifice when all your buddies are going out on Friday night, but you've got to train on Saturday morning. You've got to be able to say, no, I've got to train the next day. It's choices like that and many, many more small steps that determine going from good to great. It's making all those little sacrifices that everyone else isn't willing to make because they justify their choices. That one step, that last small one is called truly believing in yourself, not faking it or pretending you can do it, but knowing that you will still come out a better person no matter the outcome. That last sentence is everything. Wow. Right? That last sentence. You know, you can't fake it. You really got to believe you could do it. And honestly, at the end of the day, whether you achieve it or not, that journey of going through what Dave Tate just described will take you a lot further in life than you know what? A lot of colleges will. A lot of diplomas, right? It's like going that deep into a discipline will teach you so much that you could apply to the rest of your life, to your career, to relationships, you know, everything is just, uh, to me, it's, it's no end. Cause I know how deep I've gone in this pole vault journey, you know, creating this business and doing the things that I've done. I mean, there's definitely been times where I've wanted to quit. You know, I've talked about this on the podcast, but because I'm going this deep, you know, it's, it's taught me new things. Um, I, I just don't see the problem. Like if there's a kid out there that's 12 years old, that wants to pole vault year round. I just don't see an issue. I mean, what, what, what do you think? So I think, we, you know, we you think about kids doing this, you know, back in 2005, the, you know, the, the kid obesity rate in the, the United States is like, man, it's 30 to 40%. And now 15 years later, it's, you know, we got fatties running around. <laughs> right. Um, if kids want to be involved in it, support that for sure. And, and throw gas in that fire. If it's, if it's being a positive influence in someone's life. Now, this is sort of, you know, you talk about getting the, the deep dive into it, talking about pole vaulting and sort of my career of pole vaults then coming be a coach and then and, you know, business owner of, right. you know, we see young coaches consistently, and this is across multiple things, young coaches who are fresh out of school and are now coaching. They're very good in the moment here with this one aspect and it's technical, and we are in this little box with one-on-one. Very good one-on-one. And then as you develop as a coach, being able to take that step out and see the big picture of, all right, movement in space and about allowing the team aspect, and how do we develop community? And then the aspect of once we take that step again of, now this is the development of coaching, of not only being a technical master, but also development and being able to teach the process master. And so not only is it, a technical dive into pole vault, but the technical dive of development across time. If that, right. if that makes sense. No, yeah. I so mean, I think that's, I mean, exceptionally positive. Right. Because I, I think the role that, I, I think what you're trying to say is that the role of a coach is deeper than just like this, t- 
teaching this technique and making the proper adjustment at a meet, like, do we go up a grip or down a grip? It's like, it's a lot deeper. It's like, yeah, at, I mean, I think both of us are, are doing very similar things. It's like, you have a community at your club and, and there's a certain way that people are supposed to behave, react to each other. There's supposed to be a respect for one another. You're supposed to push each other in training. These are all important things that are on top of just pole vaulting. And for me, I don't understand where this comes from, but I feel like at the upper echelon levels of track and field, it seems like there's this pushback against the pole vault club community. I mean, I, I was telling you on the phone yesterday, it's like, I don't know if it was 2018 or 19, I'm in Reno and, and, you know, there, there was this, you know, very world-renowned coach speaking to coaches. Uh, maybe there was like 500 coaches in the room, you know, and I would say the most part, probably 70, 80% of them were club coaches. Right. And so this guy's talking and again, he's a good coach. Not, don't want to say anything bad about the coaching. You know, he's a good coach and he's speaking on that stage and he says, you know, for all you club coaches out there, your kids shouldn't be jumping more than once a week. The crowd went silent. And I mean, like, honestly, like I did have the impulse. Like, I listen, I, I'm a passionate guy. So there is that yeah. impulse I had in me. I was like, I, I wanted to like pick up my chair and throw it on stage. You know, I'm like once a week. Cause here's my thing, right? Like this guy's a good coach. He's had people jump really high. You're telling me yeah. one of these studs that you coached, they pull it once a week. That's how you got them to be as good as they were. They were. I, I understand if, if he, let's say, said something like to the effect of, hey, guys, you should only be doing full approach once a week. You should be doing more drills and short stuff the rest of the week. Okay, cool. I, yo, I'm on board and we can like ex expand on that. But just to blanket say, hey, only jump once a week. I, I don't understand. And there That's seems smart. a little bit of yeah. animosity, again, between the pole vault club culture and the rest of the track. I mean, I saw a comment, uh, Becca Gillespie, you know, pole vault power. She commented, this is why high school track coaches get mad at club coaches. And first of all, I have a wonderful relationship with plenty of high school coaches. I mean, they do our rent-a-coach program. They, they rent time at our club to have the kids jump and train here. You know, I, I provide polls for them. You know, like I have a wonderful relationship with high school coaches. Now, that high school coach that, like you said, because a boy or girl started to jump a little high, they think they're a stud now and they want to put them in the four by four. Well, I could really care less about that. One, I know the kid is probably not going to run a good 400. But secondly, it's like, th this is not the point of track to put, to put the good athlete in as many events as possible and use up their body. Like that's, that's not the point. Right. So it's like, I, I don't understand there. Like, so we're backing that up. That's okay. We can abuse track athletes like that. We just, we can't have them specialized because they might get an overuse injury. I don't understand that argument. Then also it's like, you know, uh, you know, Katie Najat commented on the Instagram. I mean, it's on Instagram. You can see it, you know, and, <laughs> and again, like, I, I don't care. I mean, like, you know, she was claiming I was upset that Scott Simpson didn't want to go on my podcast. I could, I could care less if Scott wants to be on my podcast. If he wants to great. I would love to have him. I, I would have a conversation with him. If he doesn't, I don't care. It's no sweat off my back. I mean, like I'm a pole vault club coach owner. I have plenty of people's coach. I have plenty of things to do throughout my day, right? Um, I don't need anybody on my podcast. Um, I just disagree with him. And I think I want to push back against some of this stuff from upper echelon track people. We're telling people basically, hey, don't do pole vault year round. Don't train pole vault throughout the week. Why? What's the harm? 
you know, no, again, nobody in the jujitsu community is telling people not to do jujitsu year round. Nobody in the CrossFit community is telling CrossFitters not to do it year round. Nobody in the soccer community is like, hey, don't play soccer year round. Only track people are telling track people not to do track year round. This is absolutely ridiculous. How are we supposed to grow this sport? All of them talk about growing the sport, but then they get upset, right? Then Katie, you know, goes on and, and she comments. She goes, well, you know, I did three sports in high school. Cool. Then she says yeah. in college, she hurdled a bit, which is fine. I guess, I don't know, I guess what the definition of specialize is, but I would assume by college she kind of specialized, but I don't know. I'll okay. take the word for it. Then she says, and to this day, she still snowboards and golfs. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, are you trying to claim that you still don't specialize? You could be a specialist and still do things in your life. You can go golf on your spare time. You can go snowboard on your spare time. But that's quite different than this argument of specialization or not. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry, I'll jump in here. So like literally now we talk about, you know, research and whatever. Research also talks about hobbies. Specialization does not cut out hobbies. So like, yeah, I play rugby. I'm not trying to make the U.S. Eagles team because right. I like the I like the camaraderie. I like to be physically and rough and tumble. And it's a great workout. Yeah. But when I'm here at pole vault, like um, I'm here to, to pole vault and and be focused on that. So it's it doesn't take away from you know just the fact that you do other hobbies does not mean that you know it, it takes away from that. You're going to eat dinner. You might even cook. Right. It doesn't mean you're trained right. to be a chef. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. No. A hundred percent. And so that that's why it's like. I didn't quite understand all these arguments I was getting from people. And, and again, going back to this thing, like, right. Like we, we've, I think we've talked about, and we can go more in depth maybe on another episode about like the studies and talking about like kids yeah. getting hurt when they, they do one sport and that's really mismanagement of the training. And again, I think people need to stop confusing playing a sport versus training. Playing yes. a sport is playing a sport. Training is training. Those are two separate things. Don't try to solve training problems by incorporating other sports. You need to have a robust training system, right? And, and that's where people need to learn more about strength and conditioning. I mean, I'm sure some people didn't even, in my tweet when I said GPP, didn't even know what that means. They don't know it's general it's preparatory phase. Yeah, they don't know that it's general <laughs> preparatory phase, which is basic exercises like push-ups, pull-ups, sit, you know, sit-ups, you know, cr- uh, squats, you know, like whatever. So on the flip side, what, I, what I'm also trying to get at is I don't understand why the upper track community, meaning like people who are involved in professional uh, track and field, like Diamond League, Olympics, all that kind of stuff, or national level, right? Like people who are like the national chair of an event or whatever. I don't know why they're pushing against the polo community. The polo community is probably the most robust and largest (laughs) growing segment of the track and field community. And we should be getting support, not pushback. How does it harm track and field if pole continues getting better? But even I heard from someone higher up, they're like, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who has a social media account in pole vault. Excuse me? I mean, here's my thing too. And and I've said this to a lot of people who are, you know, high up. I said, listen, don't come at me. I'm providing free content for people on how they... They can go about training for pole vault. I have instructional videos. I have this podcast. We do the Instagram. You've put out some great stuff too. And just remember when you were doing the running drills, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know what the problem is? A lot of these upper echelon people, they're not helping anyone. I get it, dude. You're busy. You're coaching Olympic athletes. Go do your thing. I don't, I'm not telling you you have to, but then don't get pissed 
that people know like someone like me or they they love Sean Francis or they love the Arizona guys out there like Garrett Starkey and crew. Like these people are putting out content and they're actually helping people who are on the bottom. You know that you know that that kid who wants to break yeah. maybe his middle school record or her middle school record, right? Like she just wants to jump nine. We're actually taking the time of day to help those type of people where if we're being honest, I feel like the only freaking thing that any of these people at the top care about is the person breaking the world record. It's like Come on, man. There, if all we care about is the world record, we're never going to grow our sport. There's so many people that can learn so much from pole vault, and it's more than just about breaking a world record, you know. And and even to to go on that tangent, look, maybe Mondo does X, Y, and Z, and and he broke the world record. So you say to me, well, Bronco, see, Bron- uh, Mondo does X, Y, and Z, but he didn't do A, B, C. Yeah. yeah well. You're not at the world record, so you might have to do <laughs> to get to that level. You know, I mean, there's just so much here. Um, I know you have to go. Um, a little bit is all right, but yeah, this will be a continued conversation. That there's more things we can talk about. I mean, yeah, yeah. sport it is important, right? It's mm-hmm. it's community based. It's something that brings us together, and we can we can you know why did, why is why are Friday Night Lights so successful? Because there's a marching band, there's there's Americana, there's football. That's great. There's cheerleaders. Now, if we can do that to other things and bring that to and bring that community around our sport, it grows. And so, my you know development of 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 hip athletics in New Jersey, that was the coolest place I'd ever been, and that's what I want in my life. And if we can recreate and not recreate it, we can bring that to our lives today and have that third place that we're talking about of of where we want to be. We make the world better. And that's, I mean, my ethos as a coach is how do I live my life, get people better, make the world better through sport. Right. Yeah. No. And and like you're saying, you know, it's like everybody's got a home, everybody's got a job. And we're all looking for that third place where we can, you know, grow. And that's what a pole vault club is. And I think that's kind of the thing. The pole vault clubs, you know, in America are actually doing that. We're on that journey. We're paving our own way. And you know, to be honest, I, I feel like that sometimes, whether it's USATF, IAAF, or, or whoever, I think they're a little bit pissed because they're like, they're not involved in this. You know, the polo community is growing. Like, we, we're done waiting. We, we, we're, yeah. we can't wait for USATF to solve our problems. We're going to solve our problems our way. And either they're cool with it or they're not, but we're doing it anyway, you know? And yeah. so that, that's how I feel. Um, let's, let's end it now. Cause I know, I know you have a lesson that you got to go to, um, just to wrap it up. And again, uh, for everybody listening to this one, um, I'm sure me and Brad will figure it out. We'll talk about doing another episode to kind of expand on some of these thoughts more. Um, but to kind of wrap it up, I think, look, all I'm trying to say, if you want to do multiple sports, go right ahead. But if you want to specialize and I look, I, I care less, you're 10, 12, 14, 18, 75, you want to specialize and you want to pole vault and, and you want to jump and, and you want to train and learn all the life lessons that you could take away from pole vault and do a deep dive into this, um, then you should do it. You know, there's, there's ways to do it, it, it that are not going to cause injury and not going to cause mental burnout. I mean, one, I, I think learning to deal with failure is a huge one. Um, so yeah, if you want to specialize, specialize. Um, again, this was episode 104. Did I say 103 in the beginning? I, I made a mistake. Don't recall. But anyway, this is episode 104 with Brad. Should you specialize in pole vault? And I think our answer is yes. If you want to, you <laughs> specialize. Um, again, please share this podcast episode with your friends. 
Um, you can watch it on our YouTube channel, Apex Vaulting, or you can check it out on Apple Podcasts. Um, also, you know, leave a comment or a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Real Apex Vaulting or Apex Vaulting LI, and we're Apex Vaulting on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Cheers, thanks.